Samantha, and I'm the children's pastor here at Life Church, and it's been my honor and privilege to serve your children and families for the last 15 years. We have an awesome children's program with an amazing group of dream teamers that teach your children each week about the love of God and His amazing plan that He has for their lives. We have seen so many lives impacted in our children's department. In fact, I have watched children grow up in our children's ministry that are now serving and living their lives for God. At Life Church, we've always put a huge emphasis on children, ensuring that our programs are fun, safe, and positive, and they have an amazing experience. In order to impact as many children and families in our community, we are asking you for your help. We are revamping our children's department. Everything from floor to ceilings to walls. We're even rebranding our name to Kids Life. I wish I could tell you everything we're going to do for our kids, but I will tell you hundreds, even thousands of little ones' lives will be changed forever by the love of Jesus. And in order to accomplish everything that we need to do for our kids, we are asking you to do two things. One, to help with the construction. And two, help us raise a goal of $30,000. Now I know that may seem like a lot, but one-third of our congregation is made up of children. And they are important, and they are our future. I feel like God is asking us all to help in this area to accomplish our goals. Please consider helping financially towards this goal, because we know that our kids' life can be better. Thank you in advance for helping us reach our goals. I know God is going to do great things. I can't wait to see what He's going to do. And I can't wait to see the look on the kids' faces when they see what you have built for them. Well, thank you, Samantha, for 15 years of amazing work. I don't, I don't know if she's up here or downstairs, but awesome. And um, praise God, it's only getting better. Would you pull out in every week for a month now, I've been asking you to pull out this little card in your bulletin. It's little because it's an invitation and it's easier to pass you and hand somebody a little thing like this than it is a, a big card. But on the front is the title of a series coming up starting October 15th. We are having service the Thursday before that as well. But how many believe that? Do you believe life can be better or have you guys reached the pinnacle? Are you already at the top and life can be no better for you? How about even us? Can life be, could life be better? Could God give us more of his grace and enjoy more of his presence? Absolutely. But how many think you probably know somebody, a friend, a family member, who you know for a fact life could be better for them. And we've been praying uh, for a month already. Our numerical goal for this weekend is one, and that is that for each one of us, God would just send us one person who actually wants what God has for them, whose heart is open. It's fun to invite somebody whose heart is open, and God has such a person. Do you believe that? you believe God can send you one person between now and October 15th to actually want what God has for them and come out on that service? Do you believe that? Well, let's pray for that. Hold that card in your hand, and let's just pray. We're doing this every week, and Father, we just pray in Jesus' name. God, this is about your kingdom. Your kingdom consists of people. The only thing we're going to take from earth to heaven are people. It's the only thing that we can bring with us. Lord, your heart uh, bleeds for your people. You shed your blood for your people. Yes, for us, but for those around us. These are our prayer for ones. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name. We're putting a lot together for that October 15th day, God, that it might be just invitational to those people who come in, that they would get a, a fresh wind of a sense that there is something fresh and something for them. So open that door. God, we are not ashamed uh, to, of you or to make that invite. We're just asking you to send us that person. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. amen. Well, we've been talking about 
Uh, what's going on downstairs? You'll see in the bulletin the goal is actually 40 because about 30,000 of that is downstairs, but there's some things happening up here as well. And that, that offering's going to be taken October 1st. You're free to give towards that before then, but October 1st, couple, two weeks away, is a special offering for that. If you'll just ask God what he would have you to do, but already I just approached the board and the staff, and between like about 10 people, we already have over 13,000 in towards that. And I just say that that is such a relief to me to have a leadership team that sees the future, that is excited about the future, and is willing to sacrifice for the future. And I know if we have a leadership team like that, uh, we can't lose. So just thank God for what he's doing around here. On the way of celebrating, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't mention it, but our youth ministry also this fall is kind of revamping. Uh, We've taken the summer off for the purpose of just figuring out a better model, a better way to reach your kids. And the bottom line is that's going to be a small group model where every one of the uh, students are going to be in small groups where they're more closely connected to uh, adults and other teens who know Christ. And it just become more relational. But they also need to get together. So on the first Saturday of every month, uh, all the students from middle school through college uh, gather in here for a pretty uh, wild and entertaining process. Service and they met and had over 80 students uh, just a couple weeks ago. And then the first, first, we say that word, say first Saturday. It's easy to remember. So the first Saturday of every month, uh, all the students will gather here. And if your student has never attended anything before uh, and they just want to test the waters for the first time, have them come out to that because it's a little different than anything you've seen before. It's not really much of a church service as much as it is just something designed specifically for students. And uh, they had a great time. If, you, if by chance, has anybody seen any glitter around this building since that night? They had glitter out, and uh, you'll probably find glitter in your seat. You might find glitter in your hair leaving this place because it's hard to get rid of. And we've had glitter ever since. All right, I'm going to uh, start my message. We're wrapping up our series on uh, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus taught us to pray. The disciples saw Jesus praying, and they saw that he was actually enjoying himself. They could tell he came out of prayer with a sense of power and just, you know, God's presence. And they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. They knew, that he was, they knew that he was experiencing something that they weren't, and so they wanted what he had. So they're asking him, teach us to pray. And so he taught us. How many think Jesus probably knows how to pray? Do you think he knows? And this is what he taught us. And he gave us a format, five phrases, that I think are important to pray every day of your life. I, I continue to pray this again and again. It, it really doesn't come out the same every time. Uh, but he really gives us some amazing, uh, amazingly important things for our lives. Before I jump into that, I just want to start with a story. I've told the story before, but I'm going to just share a, just a little bit different application to it today. So some of you have heard this story before. This was many years ago. Uh, Raquel and I have never hidden the fact that our marriage went through a time where it was pretty dark, especially in my mind. In my mind, oh my goodness, I was being abused in my mind. And we do live out of our minds, don't we? You know, our perception becomes our reality, and I had documented cases of spousal abuse, I can tell you. And let me just give you one of those stories. Uh, We were running together, went on a run, and um, I was just a little bit in front of her, and we had a designated turnaround spot for our run, and I was just a little bit ahead of her, so I reached, well, pretty close, I mean, only like five feet short of the spot, but I didn't quite get to the spot, but I turned around, and now I'm running past her, so now I'm running this way. And she's running, and just while we pass, in that millisecond we're passing each other, she just looks, looks over at me and says, you turned around too soon. She kept running, I kept running away from her, and now my feet are running five miles an hour, but now my brain is running a million miles an hour. 
Oh, there she goes again. Nothing is good enough. It, it doesn't matter what I do. I just can't win. And my brain is just going, oh, another documented case of abuse. I mean, this is awful. But pay no attention to the fact that I hadn't actually reached my turnaround spot. What, is, what has that got to do with anything? And, I mean, this went on for a while. And I think we would all be shocked to realize how much of our thinking is just the same old tape just running again, the same loop going through our brain. So I'm going through that same loop of, oh, poor me, and oh, how awful. And into, into my thoughts jump a brand new thought that I had never had before. And I, I'm scared to say, you know, God spoke, but I, there's a few occasions where something is so profound and then the, the, the fruit of it, the effect of it on the back end proves if it was God. Because my life changed. Uh, it changed drastically. And here was what, came, what entered my mind. While I'm, you know, running down just angry, negative, fuming, here's the thought that came to my, my brain. And I heard this. Brian, you are despising my greatest gift to you. God, tell me, Brian, you are despising my greatest gift to you. And usually when God speaks, it's just like one little nugget, one little phrase that'll drop in. It comes as a thought, but along with that phrase comes a lot of clarity and a lot of explanation. If you'll go with it, the Spirit of God will give you more understanding as you go with it. So as I'm running, I'm just realizing, and I'm starting to think, she's your greatest gift to me. Well, if she's your greatest gift to me, maybe, just maybe, maybe she's trying to help me. Maybe, long story short, and this took weeks and months actually to play this all out, I figured, I came to realize that I had a long-standing history of turning around too soon in life, in a lot of things. And God sent me somebody who'd be willing to tell me, you're turning around too soon. And I'm despising God's greatest gift to me. Well, here's the application for this message. On that day, I started realizing that, oh my goodness, I'm contributing majorly to, we have a problem. Uh, you know, in my mind, I'm considering divorce. We have, a, we have a problem, a big problem. And up to that point, I, I thought I had documented evidence that the problem was Raquel. I think I could have gone into a court of law and if you'd have just listened to me, I'm a great arguer, by the way. I'm a great arguer. <laughs> but you know what's shocking? How convinced you can be and how wrong you can be at the exact same time. That is shocking. I mean, how positive you can be. Is it possible to be just 100% sure and be 100% wrong at the same time? Yeah, th those are the dangerous spots, by the way. I was just completely wrong. And what I started seeing, the, and for the application of this message, I started to see my own weakness, my own sin, my own pride. I started to realize, oh my goodness, this has been since I was a kid. You know, who knows where these things start. But somehow, from the time I was a kid... Anything other than praise, anything other than go, Brian, go, go, Brian, you are great. Anything other than that <laughs> was abuse. You know, I used to have a phrase, gosh, kick a guy when he's down. And you know, I've got a new phrase that I think is a little more, a little more true, and that's this. When you're down, everything feels like a kick. Let me say that one more time. When you're down, everything feels like a kick. And that was my world. I'm down, I'm you know, insecure and whatever, and so everything feels like a kick. Every, any, 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 I'll get this out, hang with me. Anything even helpful 
feels like a kick. I started to realize, oh my goodness, man, I'm, I am full of pride, full of it. I mean, like up to here, over my eyeballs, just full of pride. Now, it's kind of nice when you talk about it in those terms, but what, is, what does Jesus call pride? What does God call pride? He calls that a sin. Yeah, I started realizing, oh my goodness, I'm a sinner. And I was, a, I was your pastor at this time, by the way. I'm a pastor. Can pastors sin? Yes. It's, it's just a part of our reality. I think, if you, now by the way, would you pull out of your bullets and you have the, the Lord's Prayer, this is your prayer guide. We've been going through this every week for about four weeks now. And by the way, if you don't have a prayer life, and let's just be honest, some of us don't have much of a prayer life at all. The reason I put it this way is if you'll just start reading this aloud, I mean, just put your training wheels on and just start reading this aloud, you'll start getting to a better place. But we're down at the fourth phrase there where Jesus taught us to pray. And Jesus expected, I think, every day for something like this to come off of your lips. God, forgive us. Can we read that one together? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. One more time. Read it aloud. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So every day, Jesus expects us to acknowledge that we have some trespasses. We have some weaknesses. We have some sins in our life. I don't think Jesus is trying to drag us through the mud here. By the way, notice, this is the fourth thing. Already you've prayed, you've already worshipped, you've already prayed for his kingdom to come, you've already asked God to meet your needs. Jesus wants you to put God meeting your needs even before this, because you know what? God is good to you in meeting your needs regardless of your mess. Don't put your, we want to put our mess up top, and until we get our mess fixed, God isn't going to be good to us. That's ridiculous. This is in order. Your mess is not out in front. Now we're getting towards the end, and Jesus ends with two phrases that are shockingly important to us because according to Jesus, there are traps that have been laid for every one of our lives. There's a real devil and there's real darkness in this world and there are traps laid for every one of our lives. You see, that there was a trap for me. Uh, there's evil in this world that wanted me to believe my lies and end up divorced and in a dark, dark spot. But God wants, God wants a better path. He wants a better life. He wants, you, he wants us to see. So how, how is that going to happen? Well, we have to pray this. I think what Jesus was getting at is, is this phrase, that if we'll live with an awareness of our weakness, we won't fall to our weakness. That's what he's wanting us to acknowledge. He's not wanting every day to say, oh, I'm such a bum. But just become aware. If you keep praying this, what happens is you start becoming aware of your own weakness. You become aware, and you're not afraid, you're not ashamed, and you're not, you don't feel guilty. It doesn't push you down. There's just something about it. You just bring it to God. Under the, if you still have the, the Lord's, the prayer guide there, under that phrase, number one, just, just I'm going to read this. You don't have to read it with me, but I think in my words, this is the heart of what Jesus is saying. God it's my sin that I'm concerned about and no one else's. You see, up to that point, it was only Raquel's sin I was concerned with, but seeing it correctly, God, it's my sin I'm concerned about and no one else's. No one owes me anything. See, the last half of this is we have to forgive those who sin against us. No one owes me anything, not a dollar or an apology. God, as I release others, please forgive and release me. Everybody say release. There are things in our life we need to get released from, just cut away from. Release me 
from the consequences of my sins and failures. That's the life you want to live. You want to live a life free from the consequences of your own mistakes. And that's what Jesus is teaching us to pray. That if we become, if we live with an awareness of it, see, just, I don't think pride controls my life any longer. I still fall to it. I do. It was just, what, two or three weeks ago in a staff meeting, somebody confronted me about something. Put them in their place, by golly. And then I had to gather them all up and repent the next day. But but the point is, (laughs) the point is, the pride is still there, but it doesn't win any longer. It It doesn't write the story any longer. See, up to that point, it was writing the story of my life. Becoming aware of it. Why? Why won't you fall then? Because God tells all glory to God who's able to keep you from falling. I don't think I'm standing today and in a better place because I am so much stronger, because the pride is no longer there. I think once you start acknowledging, that's why Jesus wanted you to pray this every day, because once you start acknowledging it, you open a door for grace to come in, and all of a sudden, it just lifts you above it. It's still there, but God lifts you above it. He's able to keep you from falling away, and he's able to bring us with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. He's able to bring us into heaven without a single fault. Now, how's that going to happen? That's because we've all our life, we just spend our life acknowledging we're not ashamed of it, we're just acknowledging the reality. I've got some weaknesses, I've got some sins in my life, I have some tendencies that I recognize, I bring them to God, and when I fall to those tendencies and I do actually commit the sin, I confess that to God, and it just keeps me staying clean. And when you just keep that open heart towards God, don't hide. You're only as sick as your secrets. Don't hide anything. Certainly don't hide it with God, but don't try to hide it with with people. Get in a life, get some friends. You need a good Christian friend. I confessed something to a Christian friend just, was it yesterday? Yeah, just yesterday. Two days ago, actually. I don't think I've ever told him before. Told somebody before, but I told him that. They just, man, there's something about it. Don't, don't, don't hide it. Get it out and you find that there is so much freedom, there's so much grace and lifting when you're just free to confess it. God is able at that point then to, to come in and to lift us up. So I know it's shocking for you to hear. You say, well, Pastor Brian, my goodness, you've got sin in your life? Yes, I do. Pride isn't the only one. You want me to, com- you want me to confess the rest of them? Sure. Let's, while we're on a roll, let's just give them. I've got three. I've got the, the power trio here. I'm prideful, I'm lustful, and I'm greedy. There, I said it right in church, right in front of everybody. Oh, you're lustful? So that means you're running your eyes up and down every woman, and you're, you're looking at pornography? Uh, no, that's where I'd like to go, and that's where I used to go, but since I've recognized it and I acknowledge it to God on a regular basis, what used to be a weakness is no longer a weakness. Again, the grace of God just comes in and lifts you up and lifts you over it. And I, I think I could say today that pornography wouldn't even really be a temptation to me. And now, kind of a, the way I'm saying that, I, yes, it would be a temptation if I'd let myself go there, but it's just become a strength. Why? How, how, does, a, how does a weakness like that, which is still there, become a strength? You just opened a door for the Spirit of God. And by the way, can I just, a little aside here, just a little aside, all right? Just, can, can you give me two minutes, just, just a, little, uh, a little rabbit trail? Give me a rabbit trail. Um, lust is actually relatively common among uh, the male race. 
Um, and everybody knows, one of the most famous lines to fall off of Jesus' lips, because lust is so common among men, this is like the one Bible verse that every man on planet Earth remembers. If you even look at a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery already. How many men already know that verse, right? We've heard that one before. Yeah, we know that one. We're like, ooh, how guilty of that. <laughs> now, just, I want you to think with me now. Everybody just, I'm, if this is funny, forgive me, but I'm not trying to be funny. When Jesus said that, when Jesus was telling, uh, you know, everybody, you know, men, if you even look at a woman to lust after her, you're already committing adultery. When Jesus said that, there were thousands of people, there are thousands of women. Every one of those women was dressed in a shroud, a, a frock that, that went down, uh, you know, to their ankles. Nose, you couldn't see any skin down there either. The only place it came together would be like right up here. The only skin you could see, I guess, would be like that much of their neck. Other than their faces, the only skin you're seeing is like that right there. And it would, so it would come together here and it would go down kind of like a tent. And Jesus had to tell me, with all the women dressed in a tent, Jesus had to tell the men, don't lust after them. <laughs> See, now why I'm sharing this is because for most of you women, you don't comprehend that. You don't comprehend the male brain. That even with you under a tent, our brain is like, Ooh, What's going on under there? <laughs> With just a, a wind, a little breeze will blow that tent up against something curvy and like, woo! <laughs> Lord, something good going on under that teepee. Yes. <laughs> now, if, if that's our reality with you wearing tents, my, my little rabbit trail, my soapbox moment is... Um, some of you ladies need to help a brother out. Because <laughs> you're not wearing tents no longer. And I'm not asking, we don't need to go back to tents. That's not the point of the sermon is, you know, women's dress. We need to go back to tents. You know, you don't need, you can keep your teepees out in the backyard. You don't need to wear them. But there's something between a teepee and leaving nothing for the imagination, right? Are you with me? Okay, leave a little for our imaginations, right? I mean, okay. I mean, that's not the goal, leaving something for our imaginations, but I think, <laughs> I really should script my notes better when saying such thing. All right. All right. So Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive. That last half. It's the only thing in the prayer that, that we're supposed to be doing. As we forgive, as we, we, we let go, we have to be people. We just have to become professionals at letting people go. You know, if, you, uh, if somebody were drowning and you swam up close to them and, and they pulled you under, would you be, would you be angry at them? Would you, be tell, would, you be, would you be telling that story years later? I can't believe this person, man. They, they pulled me under. What in the heck? Well, they're drowning, and I can almost guarantee you, when people have harmed you, uh, they're not on solid ground themselves. At least in their mind, they're, they're drowning, they're going under, and they're just looking for something to support them, and we have to see that. I could tell so many stories, but just, just recently, just had somebody really take advantage. I mean, steal and take advantage and just, hey, we've all had it happen, but this one was in spades. I mean, this was... And I, just one time when I was with this individual, and they really weren't 
even talking to me at this point or angry at me. I was just with them and watching as they basically, I think they were having like a nervous breakdown in front of me as they just ranted and went all these things. And I just, I realized in that moment, I got a little window into their soul and I realized, oh my goodness, my goodness, they live in a, in a frantic place I can't even understand. They don't know that everything's working together for their good in Christ. They, they don't know. They don't know Christ. So my point is, is I have really good reason to be angry at this person. And, and they did things that I, the old Brian would talk about for years. I can't believe it. The, the old Brian would have been angry at that person for years. But with God as my witness, I love them. I love them. I see it for exactly what Jesus prayed on the cross. Father, forgive them. You know the rest of it? For they know not what they do. 99 times out of 100, when people are pulling you under, they don't know. They're just, they're just paddling to keep up. Here's what Jesus tells us to, uh, he tells us to love our enemies and do good to them. Lend them without expecting to repay. Do you ever notice the word forgive, that give is the key word to forgive? See, when you really get God's heart, you just become more liberal. You become more liberal with your heart, with your love, with your money, with every aspect of your life. You become a lot freer with it. Why? Because you know you're connected to God and you know there's a lot more where that came from. So you can keep giving love. You can keep giving forgiveness. You can get a slap and and give back a smile because you know that you're tapped into a different source. This person isn't your source. God is your source, right? Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. The number number one evidence, now we don't become children of God by doing this. We become children of God by what we just received in communion. The sacrifice of Christ is the only way you become a child of God. No good work on your own. But once you've said yes to him, there are some evidences that the grace of God is at work in you. And the chief evidence of the grace of God at work in a human being is the ability to take abuse, take hardship, and come back with a smile. That's the chief evidence. That's the highest. There's a lot of evidences below that. But at the top of the mountain is a human being able to take abuse and just roll and just know that God is taking care of it. Forgive. And even in that moment, even in the moment when, and why? Why is it so easy for us to forgive? Because we are aware that we, get, we have a, a dose of forgiveness coming to us constantly. We're, we're aware of our own pride and lust and stuff, so we're aware of that. So we know that we've got forgiveness just rolling on us 24-7, and we kind of like to keep that rolling. Does that make sense? It's supposed to be a, a rolling. It's supposed to, it comes from God, and it's got to keep going out. How do you stop it from keep, you know, how do you stop that grace from flowing to you? Well, you, keep, you quit giving it out. You quit giving grace to people. You start getting crabby. Anybody besides me ever get crabby? And you don't just get crabby. You vocalize your crabbiness. And you rehearse your crabbiness. And you rehearse what they did to you. And you're cussing them. and You're just going on them. Oh, you're just so angry. That bottles up grace from flowing to you when you keep it flowing out of you. Just keep it flowing out. That's what Jesus is saying. That that is how we truly act as children of the Most High. For He, God, is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You probably have some unthankful and wicked people in your world. If you haven't bumped into one, hang on. Your day is coming. Right? They're coming. By the way, the, the two people that pretty much everybody... Um, that pretty much everybody is going to have to forgive at some point is number one 
uh, your parents, and number two, your spouse. Now, why is that? Pretty much everybody, if you thought, not everybody, but most people in here would say, yeah, you know, I've had, I had a time when I was angry with my parents. I've been, you know, I had to forgive my spouse. Why, why is it? Is it because there's only two options? Either A, you are just so unlucky that both homes, the home you grew up in and the home you married into, you just, you got bad eggs both times. I mean, you are just unlucky. Or B, that's the closest you get to human nature. That's the closest you get to relying on another human being. That's your, that's your window into human nature. See, that it's B. It, it isn't that... And, you know, not everybody does the same job parenting. I understand your parents just may have not hit a home run. But the point is, is the reason that's the most common area of forgiveness needed is because you're seeing human nature. But the Bible's also very clear that God also put his nature in us, which is why we wrestle, which is why we're so conflicted. I mean, if we were just animals, if we were just dogs, I mean, dogs go out and do nasty things. Do they come home after doing a nasty thing and feel bad? And they're like, oh. No, they're like, where can I go again? Where can I do it again? Where can I, where can I eat more of that? I mean, where can I make another mess? That, we're not. We're, we have spirits in us with the nature of God. So that's why there's that conflict. All right. And then the last thing Jesus taught us to pray Look at your prayer guide, by the way. And I don't know if you know this, but we're right in the middle of 21 days of prayer. I'm asking you to pray this every day for 21 days. I kind of have a secret hope that after those 21 days, you might just keep the wheels rolling. But pray. If you just read the the things in bold and just put a little of your own heart into it. But we're gathering together here at 7 a.m. I recognize that not everybody can make that, but do what you can. Tomorrow morning, Mondays and Thursdays, We're gathering here at 7 a.m. There is something about gathering together in corporate prayer. If you can make just one of those, uh, tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., right here. It'll be awesome. The last thing Jesus taught us uh, to pray, he knows there's traps laid for us. He knows that evil is real. He sees it. He sees it. And he wants to keep us out of that. Does anybody know another person who ended up in a trap, who ended up their life just destroyed, ended up discouraged, and, I mean, things just crashing and burning? We all know one person who ended up in the trap, right? Probably more than one. Well, those traps are set for you. And Jesus knew that. And I I don't want to say, I don't want to scare you, but it's just true. You were either going to learn to pray or you were going to pay. One or the other. Because if you never ask to be released, you're going to end up in some holes that you don't get out of. You have to learn to pray. Does it mean you don't have to be a professional, but you at least got to get your training wheels on. And the last thing Jesus taught us to pray is lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There are traps laid for you. Go back to my story. I start with the story of Raquel and I on the run. I turn around and then I... You know, God speaks to me. Brian, you are despising my greatest gift to you. What if, by the way, when God speaks into your life, is it automatic that you turn around? Is it automatic that if God speaks, everything changes in your life, right? No. No, he speaks to us all the time. He, he gives us clarity. It only changes if you receive that word and say, yes, oh, I see it. 
would it have been possible for me to hear that? Brian, you are despising my greatest gift to you. And for me to sit there and on my run, instead of, you know, heeding that and changing and thinking about myself, would it have been possible for me to say, oh, your greatest gift to me? Well, ho, 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 Merry Christmas. This is your greatest gift? Well, you can return gifts, you know, God. I mean, I, I, think, I think I need to return this one. Really? I mean, would it have been possible for me to reject that utterly and keep going with my own thinking? It happens all the time. It's called unrepentant. It's an unrepentant heart. It's a hard heart. That sounds like, oh, hard hearts. Those are evil people. Gang, that happens to all of us. We all can have little stony spots. That would have been very possible. Now, here's the point. What happens if I just keep doing that? Would God just you know, write me off? Okay, he didn't listen. Write Brian off. No, God is shockingly merciful. He keeps coming. He keeps coming. But is there a day... See, God knows the future. He knows everything. Is there a day when you have proven to God, to this world, you have proven to yourself that you don't want to change? You have literally just flipped God off enough times. And it's not like he, I don't think this is an anger thing on God, but there's a whole bunch of there that I, I can't get into. But what we, what we see in the Bible a lot of is people crossing that line and not ending well. How about the Bible story of Samson? You know, Samson is every, every young guy who grew up in church. That's, you know, your favorite stories were Samson's stories. You know, he's that strong man, you know, who just did amazing feats of strength. Well, Samson's greatest feat of strength was one day when he ripped the, the gates off of a city wall. Now, we've all seen Lord of the Rings, and we know that even trolls can't break gates off of walls. Samson, and the Bible says that not only the gate did he rip off, but the two posts that would have held the gate in. Probably an excavator couldn't have done this in one swoop. And he did it in one swoop. This isn't human. There's nothing, there's nothing remotely human about this. This was God. Did God send an angel? I don't know. But this was wildly supernatural. He ripped up these gates and he carried them to the top of a hill and just planted them there. Well, the backstory, I don't know if you know the backstory there. The reason that he ripped up those gates is uh, those gates were shut to trap him in. He was in a, the enemy city, the Philistine city. He was spending the night at a friend's house in the Philistine city. Anybody know who he was having a slumber party with? The Bible is perfectly clear. The Bible says he had spent the night with a prostitute. Now, that's a head scratcher. You spend the night with a prostitute. I'm pretty sure God speaks against that. Is that not true? Some of you guys are confused. You're like, oh. That is wrong, right? Can, can we agree on that? Yes. Okay, all right. I, I was worried there. Okay. Gets up. You know, they plan to kill him in the morning, but he gets up in the middle of the night, and the Spirit of God comes upon him in a greater way than he'd ever known. Why am I telling the story? That's exactly how God leads you into temptation. Exactly. You defy him utterly. You, you take his word and spit on it. And your head would tell you that if I ever did that, if I ever defied God, well, I mean, I would know it because the curse of God would fall on me. I mean, I would like get blisters or something. I would break out in boils and I would... No. 
you wouldn't. There's a really strong chance of you having your most powerful God moment five minutes later. And that's not God saying that my blessing is on everything you're doing. It's not. But, oh, is that confusing to our brain? Our brain, you know, just wants every time you do something wrong to get a little shock. You know, oh, that was wrong. But God's not that way. He's not. He's good. And God ultimately... By the way, why did God anoint Samson to rip those gates up? Because he's trying to, God is trying to anoint Samson to help the entire people. God will use you to help people. He will anoint you. He will bless you. He'll give you money to, to help the world while you're being a rascal. While you are being filthy, he will bless you. And how that's leading you into temptation is your brain says, ding, obviously, obviously, I'm good to go. How did Samson end? What was his, the end of his life? He spent the last years of his life in a dungeon, going in a circle, grinding a mill. And he died. He committed suicide, essentially. I mean, he took out some enemy with him, but he took his own life as he... I mean, bottom line, do you think that was God's intended end for Samson? Was that the goal? Was that the go- you think that's God's goal for your life? To spend the last few years of your life just going in circles in a dungeon, which is entirely possible even today. Not a literal physical dungeon, but it's, it's entirely possible to end there and then just at least want to take your own life. That's not God's intended end, but how do you get there? If you don't learn to pray, God will lead you into temptation. He'll keep blessing, he'll keep doing good things, and you'll be one confused individual. You will swear all is well. When we need to heed his word, Jesus knew that. Jesus knew there were traps in this world. There are traps laid for your life. And Jesus is saying, wake up and pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Number one, would you read that underneath, underneath that last phrase? I want us to read this aloud, and I'm going to be done. This is, this is my putting this into my words. I mean, Jesus did pretty good. I'm trying to help him out here. All right, number one. Let's read this aloud. God, now that I'm free from all punishment... Don't let me use my freedom to walk into a trap. Don't let me go down destructive roads, especially the ones I want to go on. Lead me on the path of life. Will you do yourself a favor? Pray that. Every day, something like that. Pray that. You see the start of that that prayer? I say, God, now that I'm free from all punishment, you see the phrase just before was, God, forgive me. See, when you pray that, you do. God releases you. Is it possible to use your freedom to be an idiot? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How many like me, if you did everything that crossed your mind between now and noon, you'd be in jail by noon? <laughs> Simple. Just do, just do everything you want to do. Every crazy thought crossed your mind. Hey, I'll do it. Yeah. You'll be right next to me. You'll be on the sale next to me. Clink, you'll be clinking cups on our... Gang, we're going to be here uh, tomorrow morning at 7. I hope you can uh, join us. But would you just bow your head and close your eyes? Friends, there is a God who loves you. And he doesn't want you to end in a trap. He doesn't want you to end dark. He wants to bless and to keep blessing you and fill you with love and goodness. But gang, we have to turn. When he speaks, when his word comes to us, when he tells us to stop lusting and stop 
robbing. Stop being so greedy. When he tells us things, when he tells us these things, we have to listen. Friends, we're just going to take a minute. This won't take long. But there are several people in this room that God has talked to you about things. And it may have been a while ago. He has he's asked you to correct some things. You're, you're sexually involved in a way that you know is wrong. And, and you, you just kept going. And, and God's still with you. And, and now you're convinced you're okay. I just pray in Jesus' name, you'll just have a moment. Just a moment to back up. Say, God, I don't want to go down Samson's road. I want to heed your word. I want to obey. I want to turn. Now, nobody's looking around, but if that's you, large or small, don't push it off again. Don't push it away again. He's trying to help you. If anything is crossing your mind that you know in your heart is wrong, don't push it off again. Please, nobody's looking around, but if that's you, would you lift your hand up right there where you're seated? Just lift your hand up. So that's me. Thank you for just, just lifting that hand. Father, thank you for repentant hearts. Thank you, God, for a heart that says yes to you. You just pray your own prayer, just even as you're seated there. Father, thank you for your grace. Lord, thank you for teaching us how to pray. Thank you, Lord. You want our life blessed. And we just love you and bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody says...